0: Hi, this is Mike Young, estate planning and asset protection attorney in Walnut Creek, California. And I'm going to talk about the seven things married couples should be discussing with each other before they come to see me about their estate plan. But before we begin, I'd like to wish all of you continued good health and I pray that we all stay safe. So in the meantime, hit the subscribe button below and the bell so that you'll get notice of future videos. Also hit the like button, and you can make a comment if you like. And I'd like to let you know that I put on Zoom workshops on estate planning, advanced estate planning, and Medi-Cal planning on the second and third Thursdays of every month at 10 a.m. So you can click the link below to sign up for uh, the workshops, uh, or you can go on my website, walnutcreekelderlaw.com, and uh, find the sign-up page and sign up for one of the workshops. I think the workshops are fun. They're interactive, and we usually have quite a few people. So I would like to see you there. So in any event, here are seven items that come up when I'm meeting with uh, couples with regard to uh, creating their estate plan. And the first one is when they are both gone, who gets what? So let's say I'm creating an estate plan for Bob and Mary Smith, and they've been married for 400 years, and they have uh, three children, Ken, Barbie, and Rasputin and uh, a typical trust will say, when Bob dies, everything stays in the trust for the benefit of Mary, excuse me. When Mary dies, everything goes to the uh, three children equally. So is that what you want? Do you want everything to go to the three children equally? I know that Rasputin has uh, not been a good son, so is he gonna get one third? Are there going to be specific gifts? So specific, a bit. The gifts could be monetary gifts that you give to uh, grandchildren, uh, that sort of thing. So the second thing is when both of you are gone, Bob and Mary Smith, and distributions distributions are made from the trust to the three children, Ken, Barbie, and Rasputin. Should all three children get their gifts outright. So Ken would get his uh, 100000 or whatever it is. Barbie would get her 100000 Now, should Rasputin get his $100,000? And uh, I raised that issue because Rasputin is a spendthrift, and he gives away his money. He can't handle his money. He'll waste it. And he'll have nothing as he continues through life. So, do you want, so Bob and Mary Smith, do you want to have a trust created for Rasputin? So, his 100,000, his one third of the estate will go into a trust for him, and distributions will be made to Rasputin over his lifetime based upon a typical formula term of art uh, for trusts for health education support and maintenance so that way Rasputin's assets are protected he can't waste it and he'll have something as he progresses uh, through life Uh, if we do that who is going to be the trustee for Rasputin's trust so when Rasputin needs money He will go to the trustee and say, trustee, I need money for something for my health, my education, my support. I need money for a mortgage. I want to buy a house. So do you want to make his siblings Ken or Barbie, his trustee? Sometimes that's not a good idea because Rasputin will put pressure on Ken and Barbie, his siblings, and that could be an issue so we can have an independent fiduciary or uh, someone else in the family um, that you might choose. Uh, Next question is, who do you want to be trustee for your trust when you die? So when both of you die, typically one of your children will uh, step up to be the trustee to garner the assets, Uh, and distribute the assets to the beneficiaries. So do you want that to be all three children, two children acting together, or just one of the children, or do you want to have an outside um, independent agency act as the trustee? Usually one of the trustees, usually one of the children will be a trustee, and of course all three of the children in this case would sign off on, on all of the documentation. Uh, The next question is, who will be trustee of your trust for you if you get older and you become incapacitated? So I have a revocable living trust and related estate planning documents for Bob and Mary Smith. We have transferred the home and other assets into the trust for the benefit of Bob and Mary. Uh, the trust says that when Bob and Mary are dead, as I mentioned, distributions will be, our assets will be distributed to the three children. But what if Bob and Mary do not die, so to speak, and they become ill and they become elderly and they need care and they need help? Who would we name as a trustee in that instance to step up and uh, help Bob and Mary with their assets to help take care of them. So that's a a little more onerous duty, in my opinion, uh, for a trustee than the duty uh, of garnering assets and making distributions when somebody passes away. So the next thing that we discuss is healthcare documents. So there are two healthcare documents that we're concerned about in California. One is the HIPAA form, and the other one is the California Medical Association Directive to Physicians. And I'll make a link to the video I created on how to fill out the Directive to Physicians. So the HIPAA form, in the HIPAA form, we name the individuals who may have access to our medical records, to give to other healthcare providers if we can't do it ourselves. So typically, I have, we have Bob and Mary Smith, and they have three children, Ken, Barbie, and Rasputin. So for Bob, I would have Mary, Ken, Barbie, and Rasputin, Rasputin all having authority severally, uh, meaning independently. To have access to Bob's medical records to give to another healthcare provider. So, the healthcare providers, uh, hospitals, the doctor's offices are all making a very big thing about this because there are state and federal laws protecting your rights of privacy. So, you remember Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Well, she is out of retirement now. And she works at the two major hospitals here in Walnut Creek, making sure that if you need medical records, that she has the proper HIPAA forms. So you don't want to cross her. You want to make sure you have that. And uh, the other document is the uh, California uh, Directive to Physicians. So it's the health power of attorney. And in that document, uh, there is a provision which I I rudely call the the pull-the-plug provision. And it says that that you as the maker, let's say it's Bob, uh, give Mary authority to pull the plug or not pull the plug. So that, let's say Bob is in an irreversible uh, coma and only being kept alive by machines and the ethics committee at the hospital wants to pull the plug, Uh, do you want to give Mary and or the children authority to tell the hospital, yes, it's okay to pull the plug? And the other thing that that healthcare form has is the alternative uh, to pulling the plug is that you want to be kept alive, uh, kept alive as, as long as possible within generally accepted healthcare standards. And there are also provisions in the document um, uh, for giving body parts, I hate that expression. But for instance, if you die, if Bob dies, does he want to give Mary authority in the form uh, to say yes, they can have Bob's corneas or bones from the middle ear, Uh, something like that. The next question, the next issue, and this is a big issue, that I discuss with uh, married couples is, do we want to have asset protection and Medi-Cal uh, provisions in the trust and the financial durable power of attorney, which will help us create eligibility for either Bob or Mary, should they have to go to a skilled nursing facility? So, Medi Cal is alive and well in California. And if you have to go to a skilled nursing facility and you use up your first number of days under Medicare, usually 20 days, and you need to stay in a skilled nursing facility, then you have to private pay at like 10 to 15 grand a month or see if we can get on Medi Cal. So it becomes somewhat complicated. I'll do another video more specifically on this. But we usually want provisions in the estate planning documents to allow for transfers of assets between spouses. Transfers is the term Medi-Cal uses for transferring assets between spouses to help create eligibility. And uh, do we want Gifting provisions, where we can gift to children possibly to create eligibility for Medi-Cal, and there are other things that we can that we can build in to create help create eligibility for Medi-Cal, and uh, the provisions become necessary if individuals lose capacity. So, I have Bob and Mary Smith. Let's say Bob. We need to get Bob qualified for Medi-Cal, and we need to move assets over to Mary. We need to transfer assets to Mary. If Bob has lost capacity, we want Mary to have authority to transfer Bob's assets to her. So if we're going to do that and Bob has lost capacity, we need specialized language that is coordinated between the revocable living trust and the financial durable power of attorney, and it's complicated, but we just follow the rules. You know, we have um, a common law rule against the fiduciary, uh, taking assets from the principal uh, without consideration going back, and we have the Family Law Act in California with regard to community property. So we have to take all of these elements into account when we are creating the estate planning documents and when we when you see me i'll, I'll go into that uh, uh, with more detail and what kind of care do you want when you get older and how is the care going to be paid for so this is the last question i think i'm up to seven go back and count and tell me in the comments If I don't have seven, or if I have more than seven. Uh, In any event, with my clients, my couples, we discuss levels of care, in-home care, boarding care, assisted living, skilled nursing, and how are we going to pay, how are you going to pay for various levels of care. So skilled nursing, as I mentioned, we have Medi-Cal in California but we have to have our ducks in a row for qualification. If you lose capacity, we need to have specialized uh, language in the documents, and everything else is private pay, so we need to look at what the uh, sources of assets are that you would use to pay for your care. Uh, Of course, your house is an asset, but I always encourage everybody to bend over backwards to keep the house intact. Uh, You have other pools of money, maybe qualified accounts, uh, savings accounts. But we also have the Pension Protection Act availability. So this is, I'm thinking of this amendment that President Obama signed to the Pension Protection Act. And this amendment has nothing to do with pensions. But it's a provision that allows us to, in essence, fund for our health care in the future, Pension Protection Act. And I'll do another video on that uh, to explain that. So I think that's seven items. Tell me if it's more. Tell me in the comment box. In any event, thank you very much for watching. And I hope you sign up for one of my workshops. Uh, go to my website, walnutcreekelderlaw.com and sign up. And I'll also make a link below. So thank you very much, and stay safe.